Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Gospel Podcast. Excited to be back with you this Thursday night episode. What are we up to? 54? 55? One of these days, I'll start keeping track. Happy to have Andrew back with us this week. It is the tip-off to the NBA postseason. And with that in mind, we had to have our basketball biggest basketball fan back with us. And Andrew, we're going to let you guide us through this, especially the start here. I can't think of anything in competitive sports right now that I hate more than the NBA play in started during COVID in the bubble season. And I just, I hate this, the nine and 10 seeds getting in the fact that the 34 and 48 San Antonio Spurs have a shot at the championship. Theoretically uh, really, really upsets me. I just, I think it's terrible. 18 is already too many. And yes, they're going to, they, they're going to sell tickets. They're going to sell TV time. I get why they do it. I just really hate it. But uh, as we're recording this, we had the Nets take down the Cavs in a not surprising East round, uh, Eastern Conference. And then we had the Wolves take down the Clippers in a bit of a surprise game in the first one. We were in the midst of the second games. But let's start in the Western Conference here. Uh, if you want to recap, the Wolves-Clippers, the 7-8 game. And then we've got the Pelicans-Spurs in the 9-10. And somehow out of these four, two are going to make the actual playoff bracket. So I'm just going to toss that over to you, explain the playoffs, and focus on the Western Conference play in first. Well, I like, uh, I like the play-in. Um... I know that may come as a shock to you. I actually like the one and done atmosphere that it brings to the NBA game, which is uh, something that you can't have during the playoffs. And I think uh, top eight seeds is, is really a great way to do things, but the Spurs do theoretically have a chance, but they also theoretically don't have a chance at all at winning. The one thing I think it does is it keeps a few more teams engaged throughout the regular season. And that's kind of why I like the play in. So you mentioned it, the Wolves won last night. So now they're locked into the seven seed. They're going to play the Grizzlies. The Clippers are going to have to play the winner of Pelicans Spurs later tonight. Um, I'm thinking the Pelicans are probably going to be playing the Clippers for that eight seed. I'm fully expecting the Clippers to go ahead and take that eight seed. So we'll just kind of pencil them in the Clippers Suns first round matchup, which I think will be kind of a cakewalk for the Suns. So um, that's where we're at in the Western Conference. And then in the Eastern Conference, we got Hornets and Hawks going on right now. The winner of that game will play the Cavs for the eight seed on Friday night. So Friday night is winner go home for the eight seeds. And tonight is winner go home for the nine or the 10 seeds. So that is uh, where we're at with the plan. And we'll start right there. You mentioned it right there. Whoever we get left out of the, you know, my pick is the Clippers. I didn't think they would lose to the Wolves, but good for the Wolves. The, the once every seven years, they get to win a playoff game. But the one eight seed, I think it's going to end up being the Clippers. Suns Clippers, the Suns have looked like the class. I feel like you're in love with this team. I like them. I'd be happy if the Suns win, but there's a couple other teams I think are going to give them a run for their money. The Suns, far and away the best team in the NBA this year, 64 and 18 entering the playoffs. A really strong defensive team. I think we don't talk about that enough with this team. We know they can shoot buckets with Devin Booker and Chris Paul, but an underrated defensive team, six and four in their last 10 games. But then you have the Clippers. If, if the Clippers make it, one five straight to end the season, get to that eight line. Uh, I don't think it matters who gets here. I think I agree with you. I think the Suns are going to roll over. I think a team could sneak one game, but I don't think this first one's going longer than five games with the Suns winning. Yeah, this is has all the makings of a gentleman's sweep, a five-game a five game um, win for the Suns. And, you know, I really think the Western Conference, you mentioned it. Um, we've talked about how good the Suns are offensively, but they are really good defensively too. Bridges, Crowder, Ayton, they can defend you in a lot of different ways, both on the perimeter and on um, the inside as well. So I think this is really the team to beat. And I, I really don't envision too many teams in the West actually giving them a run for their money. So I, I really think we're headed for not to give too much away, but to give plenty away. 
I'm taking the Phoenix Suns to the NBA championship this year. Not surprised to hear that. I think you've kind of been trumpeting their greatness for the last couple of months on this show. I think it's going to be tough for somebody to knock them off, but more on that in a minute. The winner of the Suns matchup would get the 4-5 of the Mavs and Jazz. The Mavs, the team that I continue to hate no matter what, I will never, well, shouldn't say never, but current state of affairs, I'm not going to believe in this Mavs team. They're taking on the Jazz, who I really like, but you can explain this better than I can. It feels like the Jazz are limping to the finish line, which always concerns me. I like, like to see teams that are getting hot as we enter the postseason, which is concerning because Dallas is 8-2 and two in their last 10 and won four to end the season, and Utah feels like it's just been bad in March and April. So what is going on with the Jazz? I still want to pick them. I could see this being an ugly seven-game series that gets drawn out and Dev, uh, Devin Booker. Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell trading game-winning shots in a few games. But the Jazz just, they don't seem right. The first half and even a little bit after the All-Star break, they were one of the top four teams in the league, it felt like, and now they're falling apart. So let's say you, you love the Mavericks far more than I do. I'm picking the Jazz, but what's going on with both of these teams? Well, uh, one one plot line of this series, um, Luca did limp off in the last game of the season, and that looked kind of bad. Um, we need some more information about the health status of Luka Doncic, but assuming full health, I really like the Mavericks in, in this series. They can beat you in a lot of ways. They do play a slower tempo, a slowdown game, and it seems to favor them. And but they can also go up tempo as well. And I really like Luka Doncic, obviously, but with the team that they have around him, I think is perfectly suited for him right now. And you can kind of see how not having Porzingis around has actually kind of helped this team. Dinwiddie's been a welcome addition. Jalen Brunson gets to do his thing as well. They have a lot of playmaking on the outside, on the perimeter, and I think it's just a little bit too much for Utah here. Utah is a team that they've battled through some injuries, specifically the Joe Ingles injury has kind of been a big one. Um, Don Mitchell is healthy. Conley wasn't healthy at points. Gobert wasn't healthy at points. They are back to full health now, but they've done some inexplicable things. They've blown some big leads this season. And that is not something that gives me a lot of confidence with them heading into the postseason. I also think Donovan Mitchell, there's a certain element of, of Russell Westbrook to his game. Um, yeah, I, I hate throwing this out there, but there's a certain element of Russell Westbrook to Donovan Mitchell's game that I, I just really don't like. Some of the shot selection and stuff that he's chosen this season has just been really poor and um, – that's, that's why I'm I'm more down on Utah. I think he's kind of been figured out to a certain extent. And I'm not sure if uh, him and him alone is really enough to get him to get them past the Mavs and what the, the Mavs can throw at them. So I could see this being a long drawn out series. I'm going to take the Mavs in six. I don't think this goes the full seven. I'm going to go ahead and take the Mavs in six games here. And I will disagree because I will, I shouldn't say never, but for the time being, I will never pick the Luca Mavs. And, and that's fair. I think this is the year they finally break through. I think Luca has been playing at a sort of an MVP level. He's not going to win MVP, obviously, but uh, he, he's definitely put himself into that conversation where we should think of him as that type of player. And I think he's going to be good enough to carry uh, Dallas into the next round. Going down to the bottom side of the Western Conference bracket, what I think is the juiciest first-round matchup, two of the teams that I really like, 
And if all the t- all players were healthy, I think these would be my two favorites to win the West. But you've got the Warriors taking on the Nuggets. The Warriors, the three. The Nuggets, the six. I'll pitch this over to you in a minute. But the cat, uh, the Steph Curry injury, the biggest thing to wonder about with the Warriors. I think if he's healthy, this team has championship potential. They've got all the familiar pieces there. And then you've got the Nuggets, who have who should be the MVP. If they gave me an MVP vote, I would be giving it to Jokic. But Denver just hasn't felt special. The only 48 wins, which when you compare that to Phoenix's 64, feels like quite the laggards. But Jokic, I think, has really had to throw this team on his back. You can correct me on this, but I believe Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are both out for the playoffs. And another team in Denver that just kind of feels like they're middling. I don't think they are as barren as the Jazz seem to be right now, but I don't feel that championship luster to the Nuggets. I think it's going to be a great series, high-scoring, fun matchups between these two. Jokic versus all those guys for the Warriors. I, I'm going to go Golden State in this one, but I think this will this will be our best Western Conference first round matchup. I'm right there with you on this being the best matchup. I do think this is a seven gamer, especially with the fact that Curry may be out. Um, so a lot of it will depend on the health of Curry as well. And your spot on Porter and Murray are not coming back for the playoffs, so the Nuggets are not going to get that boost. But that's how Denver's been playing the whole season without those guys, basically. So they're they're really used to it by now. But Jokic just had to carry quite the load. But we've seen that he's capable of it. He's put up really great numbers on back-to-back nights throughout the whole regular season. So having a day of rest uh, in the playoffs shouldn't actually be a, should actually be a help to him. So I I think if if Curry's not back, I think this is a real danger spot for the Warriors because I think. Draymond Green is back, but maybe not the most healthy. Um, they don't really have the guys that can match up with Jokic down there in the paint. And then also the Nuggets bring in DeMarcus Cousins. They can play a lot of different ways still, even though they don't have Porter and Murray. I like the Nuggets in this series. Again, without Curry, I like the Nuggets in this series. I'm going to take the Nuggets in the seven-game series. Nuggets winning in in San Francisco, in a game seven. I think this is kind of Jokic's moment to shine here in the playoffs. So that's going to be my one upset here in the Western Conference, and I'm going to take the Nuggets over the Warriors in seven games. As much as I love the Nuggets and the Warriors, I'm surprised I'm the one going against you here. The Nuggets still have Jokic. You have Aaron Gordon. You have Monte Morris. There's, There's a lot of talent. Jeff Green, the ageless Jeff Green, it feels like. I just don't know that they have the depth. And I think you bring up a good point. Who in the Warriors is going to go against Jokic? I think he's a different player than Draymond can deal with. I think he'd destroy Looney in the middle. Or I know people love Kaminga. Otto Porter, I don't I don't see anybody on the Warriors who's a perfect matchup for Jokic. Sure, you can throw a platoon at him and try a lot of different guys. I think Jokic is going to get his, but I think the barrage of weapons the Warriors can throw at you, if healthy, are going to be the difference in this one. So... Give me the Warriors in seven. Yeah, and I think we're in agreement that it's going to be a seven-game series. So I'm looking forward to uh, to that one, and I do think it'll be a tight, close series. And, you know, obviously Curry being back and being healthy would, would completely change my, my perception of the series. So, so much of it will depend on that. But barring that, which everything points to Curry not being fully healthy, I'm taking the Nuggets. And lastly, 
I would say in the Western Conference, this is the matchup that confounds me the most. I have no idea what to make of this. You have the Grizzlies, who I have been waiting for them to crater all year long. Jaw goes down, and they just keep soldiering on. People are loving Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain, guys really arriving on the scene this year. Memphis, the two seed, and by the virtue of the play-in game, Minnesota is rewarded with the seven seed. You've got a Minnesota team. We, we know you love Anthony Edwards. It seems like D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns may finally be growing up. You've got the great Patrick Beverly, who's he's a guy like me that's kind of like Jimmy Butler. You need a, a gritty, hard ass in your locker room to get guys to focus. Patrick Beverly seems to be that guy who's going to be your, your leader and your warrior and your tough guy, which has always felt like that's what Minnesota needs. So he's got them into the seven. And Memphis, I, that's the extent of what I know about these two teams. I can't believe either of them are here, that one of them has to go to the next round. I don't know if Minnesota can hang with Memphis, but I don't know enough about this Memphis team to really believe what I'm not believing my eyes when it comes to Memphis. Well, I think you should be a little bit more trusting of your eyes because uh, this Memphis team is, is good and they're real. Um, And even without Jai, you've mentioned the success of guys like Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, um, Steven Adams as well. Um, this has been quite the team. So uh, I think Jaw's going to come back and be healthy, and that's just going to push this team to another level here in the playoffs. The Timberwolves, you mentioned D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, but my guy, Anthony Edwards, he, he really was the reason that uh, Minnesota won that game against the Clippers. Carl Anthony Towns um, – and he really he really shrunk in the moment last night. He really had a poor game in uh in that playing game against the Clippers and I, I was very surprised by that. I do think there's kind of a formula that you can have to take away towns that Memphis will tap into here. It's gonna really come down to Patrick Beverly, D'Angelo Russell, guys like that. Last night we saw the good D'Angelo Russell as well, but you can also see the bad D'Angelo Russell. He kind of runs hot and cold. And so those guys are kind of going to swing this series. Memphis is just way more consistent, the way more consistent team. I think this is going to go six games. I'm going to take Memphis in six games. I think the the Wolves are able to squeak out a couple, mainly because of that home crowd and how the Timberwolves can just kind of feed off of them, especially Anthony Edwards. He, he seems to play way better at home. He kind of feeds off that energy, feeds off the crowd, and it gives him superpowers apparently. So I think uh, Minnesota is going to be able to steal a couple at home maybe, and that's going to be how this gets six games. But I'm, I'm taking the Grizzlies. I think there's just too deep, too consistent. Grizzlies and six. Wasn't there all that talk when he was drafted that Anthony Edwards doesn't love basketball and hates the game and just happens to be good at it? Yeah. Um, feels I'm like not that's... sure where that narrative started, um, but that certainly was the narrative. And it, it doesn't seem to be like that could be any further from the truth at this point. And uh, he, he seems to love basketball to me. So I'm, uh, I'm glad he does. He looks like, I mean, this is kind of an interesting conversation because I don't expect Minnesota to win this series, but what I do expect to be revealed is that Anthony Edwards is your alpha for the Timberwolves going forward and not Carl Anthony Towns. And I think um, 
I think I completely agree with you. That feels like the winds of change in Minnesota. It's been since Anthony Edwards got to town. I, I, I still think Patrick Beverly with that veteran leadership, but yeah, this is Anthony Edwards team. Yeah, I think, I think that's what you're going to see more of. And uh, it's going to be an interesting time for Minnesota, perhaps after the season or maybe even after next season to make a decision on Carl Anthony Towns. Do they, do they roll with him? Is Cat willing to shift into that? Okay, this is really Anthony Edwards' team, but I'm also a key piece of this. It's going to be some interesting decisions for the Wolves to make surrounding Towns specifically, and then how they build the rest of this team going forward. Is D'Angelo Russell a long-term piece of this? What else can they add? Because it feels like they're just a little bit away maybe a piece or two away from being a real threat with the current roster that they have, but how do they get there? How do they add that piece? It's a little bit like the, the Luca Porzingis thing that kind of was going on for a while. Now that Porzingis is gone, it's really unlocked Luca. I wonder if we'll have something similar with Anthony Edwards on down the line. And there's, I think there's a couple of different ways to look at that. You've got, so the, all these guys are locked in for next year. You're bringing back basically everybody, but Torian Prince is going to be a free agent, but you've got all the top guys, Edwards, Beverly, D'Angelo Russell, Kat, um, Malik Beasley and Joshua Kogi are the other top guys making money still in there. Um, but those guys are all coming back and then it could be the same. You could have two more years of Edwards and towns together. You have to decide in 2023, what you want to do with D'Angelo Russell and Patrick Beverly, but maybe they've found the secret sauce in the core and these guys work well together. That's I heard somebody talking today that the Grizzlies, they feel like a bunch of guys in a college fraternity or a college team, just a bunch of guys who love being around each other. And that's why they've done so well as the team camaraderie. Maybe that's what Minnesota has. And it makes me wonder with Minnesota, can Anthony Edwards be the alpha and maybe Carl Anthony Towns likes to be like somebody else who was there. Andrew Wiggins. We kind of heard that, that Wiggins has all this talent, but maybe didn't want to be the alpha. He didn't want to be the main guy. He didn't want to be the face of the franchise. I think Anthony Davis had a little bit of that. These guys are totally fine. I'll be the one B or the number two option. One of the other guys can be the, the straw that stirs the drink. And I think maybe that's what cat likes. He didn't want to be the guy. He's totally fine. Letting Anthony Edwards be the big man on campus and he will kind of clean up and be the second man. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see Anthony Edwards in a playoff setting for the first time. Or if they don't want to play together, uh, Los Angeles Lakers line one for the wolves, Carl Anthony towns trade. Ooh, don't worry. I've, I've got, I've got plenty of Lakers trade scenarios. If you want to hear them, depending on how long our show goes. All right. Well, we can uh, we can revisit that. Uh, I'm interested to hear your trade scenarios. If you're the Lakers, anything can help. Remember, 10 teams made the playoffs. One of them had 34 wins was the Spurs. And the Pelicans, who name a Pelican starter, uh, they made the playoffs and the Lakers didn't. So, Well, I can because I'm one of the more hardcore fans. But, uh, I mean, they got C.J. McCollum. Obviously, they made the playoffs. C.J. McCollum in the fold. I, I bet if you asked a hundred people who were just like, yeah, I watched the NBA or I know a little bit what's going on to name a Pelicans player. They would all say Zion. Like, yeah. like I would, I would, if you asked a hundred people, I would say of like actual NBA fans or casual fans, maybe 20 could name CJ or Brandon Ingram. Nobody's naming Devonte Graham or Jonas Valanciunas or Garrett Temple. 
Jose Alvarado, Herbert and Jones. This, and this team made the playoffs and the Lakers did not. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is uh, the nature of the NBA in its current state. So, so you are, you're going Grizzlies on that one, correct? I'm going Grizzlies in six. So we'll advance your playoffs here. You've got Suns, Mavericks, the Nuggets with the upset, and the Grizz. So which two are coming out of that? Man, I think we're I think we're headed for a, a Suns Grizzlies Western Conference Finals. Good for the Grizzlies fans if you can make that happen. Yeah, absolutely gonna be great for the Grizzlies fans. Um I think Memphis is obviously gonna be rocking. I'm going to take Memphis over Denver. Wow. This is also going to be a oh, – For a minute, I thought you said Memphis over Phoenix, and I about lost my mind. Sorry, not Memphis over Phoenix. Sorry, I want to give the games prediction as well. Yes. Memphis over Denver in seven games. I think this is another absolute slugfest between two teams. So, so Denver finds themselves in a couple of seven-game series, and I think – Maybe this one's just a little bit too much to overcome. I kind of like what Memphis can throw at them with Steven Adams and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the front line and Brandon Clark even. Just the style that Memphis can play. They have so many guys that can put the ball in the basket. John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. can even put the ball in the basket quite a bit. There's just... Too many guys, too much depth there. But I do think that because of Jokic and just his superpowers that he seems to have, um, they're going to be able to push this thing to seven games, even though they really should have no business being in it. So I'm really just banking on on the Jokic factor for the Denver run here, but this is where it ends. Just looking at Memphis to get an idea of how young this team is, you can tell they're young because nobody's getting paid. Uh, who do you think that is the highest paid Memphis Grizzly right now? Steven Adams. I feel like you already knew that. Steven no. Adams. And how much do you think Steven Adams is pulling in? He's what, like a 10-year veteran probably? Close yeah, to 10 years? He's probably really close to $20 million per year. $17 million is the highest paid Memphis Grizzly. And they yeah. have a real shot at this. Dylan Brooks is making 12 and then all under $10 million. Kyle Anderson, John Morant, Jaron Jackson, D'Anthony Melton. Uh, and then you've got guys like Tyus Jones, Jarrett Culver still getting paid. They're still paying uh, Rajon Rondo and Mark Gasol. Desmond Bain is only making $2 million right now. Mm. Wow. See, the, what I can equate Memphis to is they're the, they're the NBA version. You know how in the NFL when a team is really good – with a rookie quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie deal. And that allows them to build up the roster around that young quarterback, kind of like the Bengals have done with Joe Burrow. And it's why they made the Super Bowl. That's really what Memphis reminds me of this year. I'm not saying they're going to make the finals. That's kind of the way that Memphis is built. They've got a lot of young players on cheap contracts. Those contracts are going to come due at some point. And therefore, they're not going to be able to keep this roster together. But that's kind of where they're at now. So they've got to maximize where they're at now. Right. And they are they already have a very low salary cap, and it's only going to go down next year. You get some of those expiring deals from the veterans and role players. Jaron Jackson is going to jump way up next year. He's taking up a huge chunk 
But I think you could still restructure John Morant, Dylan Brooks, and maybe even Desmond Bain. If you can keep those four and do kind of a Golden State thing, Memphis may be the real deal for years to come. That's that's kind of how, that's kind of what I was going to equate it to. I, I think it's almost – it's very similar to the position that OKC was in too with Westbrook, Durant, and Harden all on the same team. And they ended up having to make some tough, difficult decisions. They chose to pay Serge Ibaka and trade James Harden. Memphis is going to have some of those types of decisions in their future with the way the guys on their roster have emerged. I'm not saying they're going to have three guys that are to that level. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But they're, it's a similar version of that with the way the salary cap works, the way these guys want their money now, basically with the salary cap going up you have to make some of those hard decisions. And so Memphis is going to be facing some hard decisions in a couple of years, but until they do, they're going to be able to field a really good roster and they're going to be here and we'll see what they do long-term. I'm here for it. Bring me new blood. As much as I love the nuggets and they become a standard and the jazz, let's get some new team cycled in here. I'm ready for it. Yep. Right. And so then, you're, I, yeah, your Western Conference champion. Okay. Well, um, I just do want to just touch on Phoenix, Dallas. Uh, Luca, I love you. I think this is a buzzsaw. Um, Phoenix and five over the Mavericks. Um, the Suns are really just, they're just a bad matchup for pretty much every team in this Western Conference here. So we've got Phoenix, Memphis for me. I know boring sad i'm going chalk but i think uh i'm gonna take phoenix in six i'm gonna give the grizzlies enough credit they're gonna be able to uh find the find a way to win a couple of games against the suns because i do think they are that kind of team where they can do that john morant has that next level that i believe he can go to in the playoffs that will allow Memphis to win a couple of games against the Suns. But I think it's just too much firepower for the Suns. So Suns and six in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. I'll, I want to go against you and just pick the Warriors. I think the Suns are going to get through whoever comes out of that. I've got Suns Warriors in the finals. Sorry, Nuggets and all the waxing I just did about the Grizzlies. It's going to be Suns Warriors for me. And I'm going to say Steph gets healthy. And the Warriors ride again, back to the mountaintop. Healthy Steph, healthy Clay, healthy Draymond. You got young guys like Kaminga coming up. Kavon Looney's kind of underratedly been there for a long time and been a core piece. So I'm going to take Warriors over the Suns and probably, let's go seven. I think it's going to be a nail-biter of a series between the two. Well, I mean, yeah, if if the Warriors are going to pull it out, it's, it's definitely going to be no easy task. And personally, I would love to see a healthy Steph Curry, and I would love that Western Conference Finals as well with the healthy warriors versus healthy Suns, I think that would breed the, uh, the best Western conference finals probably, but uh, I just don't think we're going to get there with the health of Steph Curry being what it is. And let's find out who will be facing them from the Eastern conference and the Eastern conference play in. Yeah. The nets, not surprisingly take down the Cavaliers in the seven, eight matchup the Nets, Celtics in the first round in the two, seven, we'll get to that here in a minute. And then barring an historic collapse, it looks like the Hawks are going to knock the Hornets out of this thing. Again, the Hornets had no business being here as much as Andrew loves Lonzo Ball. So we are headed toward 
what appears to be Cavs versus Hawks for a shot at the heat in that one eight game. I like both of these teams. I feel kind of bad for the Cavaliers. They started out so hot. It was such a feel good story. And then I think everybody got injured and then uh, teams like Toronto got hot at the right time. Boston really got hot and shot up the rankings. Chicago held in there. So you've got the Cavaliers and the Hawks. I like both these teams. I've been disappointed in the Hawks, proud of the Cavaliers. So looking at it from two different perspectives, but I think it's going to be the Hawks taking this one, unfortunately, for this feel-good Cavs team. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think the Jared Allen injury is just, it's a big one, and we didn't realize how big that really was. So if Jared Allen was healthy, I think uh, the Cavs may not even be in the position where they're in the play-in. So, and they definitely would be favored by me to uh, to win this game, but the way the Hawks are playing, the way they're rolling tonight. And I, I do love LaMelo. I believe you called him Lonzo, which is Same just, well, that, that's pretty, that's pretty insulting to LaMelo. Who's a, a more talented player than his older brother. But um, we'll, we'll let that, we'll let it be a bygone. Um, the Hawks, I think are going to take this game against the Cavs. I just like the way they've been playing. And also this is, they're looking a lot more like the team that made the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not saying they're going to go on that kind of a run again, but they look a little bit more like that team and have looked a little bit more like that team to end the season and and now in the play-in against the Hornets. So they seem to be peaking at the right time to grab that eight seed. And if they do make it in, which we're in agreement on, do either one of these teams have a snowball's chance against the Miami Heat's the team that kind of came back to the pack shot ahead in the East and now just finished two games ahead of Boston, Milwaukee and Philly, but still they've been the class of the East. I, yes, the bucks have been good, but I think you could argue over the last three or four years, Miami is the most consistent team in the East and they're right back there again. You know what you're going to get with them. Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, tough, hard nosed defense. I think one of the top two defenses, them in Boston, top two defenses in the East gritty basketball but they're also going to run and shoot their threes with the Tyler Heroes and Duncan Robinsons of the world and we love Bam Adebayo I think this will be a great series I would not be shocked if if it is Atlanta I would not be shocked if Atlanta is able to get two games out of this but I'd take Miami in six is are we underselling or overselling the Hawks in that one I think we are I think we are spot on with the Hawks in that one and I'm I'm totally in agreement with you there I just had this Miami and six kind of feeling with the Hawks. I think it's mainly just the Trey Young factor. We've kind of seen how Trey Young can be in the playoffs. And I think he's just going to have at least one of those types of 40 point nights where he's just completely unstoppable and it's going to lead to an Atlanta win and another night where Atlanta just plays well as a team that I could see. So I'll take the heat over the Hawks in six games. And maybe you see this as a closer race than I do. The four five, the Sixers and the Raptors. I like the Raptors. I don't like the 76ers, but who's the actual better basketball team? I think the Sixers are going to roll over them. And I think it's more of an ugly six. I think the six for the one eight for the Hawks, like, yay, good for the Hawks. They made it competitive. I think the Raptors are just somehow going to tough out two games, but I don't know. I don't think they're in the same league as the Sixers right now, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong once. Well, um, the Raptors give me some sort of strange uh, 2000 and uh, 
2003 Pistons, not the team that won the title, the team the year before they won the title. Mm. They give me some of those kinds of vibes where it's kind of like, who the heck are these guys? These guys are coming together. They're playing well. Um, But you're right. I think Philly is the better team. And it's a little bit like what we talked about with uh, Denver Golden State, only on a more extreme scale. I don't think really Toronto has anyone to uh, go toe-to-toe with Joel Embiid. So it, it may be kind of a thing where they may just have to uh, say, okay, Embiid, we're going to give you your 35 to 40 points, and we're just going to try to lock down everyone else and hope that's good enough. And I'm not sure that it is. So I, I think this is more of a Philly and five kind of scenario. I think this is uh, – we're really going to see Philly turn it on here and uh, Embiid and, and Harden are going to kind of do their thing in the first round. Now, I think they'll flame out later um, as we'll talk about, but I think for the first round, uh, Harden and Embiid should be able to make it through pretty easily. Now we know that the Nets are kind of a dysfunctional mess and Ben Simmons is doing Ben Simmons things. You've watched us more than I have. Are we convinced that Embiid and Harden have both finally found happiness together? Two guys who kind of constantly seem disgruntled is it they've both found each other and now all is right with the world um no i don't necessarily think so and in fact i think uh i think there's still something a little bit off about james harden and also i think we just have to come to the reality that we're just entering a different phase of harden's career he's not the player that he once was he he doesn't have that he can go by anyone kind of speed to his game that he used to have um especially that he had in houston that's not who harden is anymore he has trouble getting to his spots he can still do the de- the step back thing he can still tear it up every once in a while but i i think we've kind of reached a different stage of harden's career and it's it's kind of on the decline now so the Sixers are kind of getting him on the decline. I, I don't think it's all sunshine and roses there, um, like, at, at all. So I just simply think that the combination of the two of Harden and Embiid is going to be good enough to take care of business pretty easily here. But I, I don't think it's going to be enough in the second round, which is sort of giving away my position in the second round. But – I don't think this team is really built to go the distance. Are we seeing peak Pascal Siakam right now? Everybody fell in love with him during their championship run, and he seems like a very likable player, and he's very, very good, kind of on that all-star cusp level. But is there still – do you, do we see more in the future for him once Kawhi left town and it became clear, okay, this is going to become Pascal Siakam's team? Is he ever – I'm trying to think like a Paul George, like he was really, really good, but he was never like the tippy tippy top guy. He always needed that somebody else to be there with him. Are we still, is he still evolving? Can there be a Raptors where he is the best guy or do they need to go Um, out and get a, like, like we talked about the wolves got Anthony Edwards. No, I think, um, yeah, the wolves went out and got Anthony Edwards in the draft. And I I think uh, Pascal is not that one not that superstar guy that you can build the team around. He is sort of like a Paul George. I think that's a good comparison as well. And uh, Vin Vliet's there as well, and he's played well. I think it's 
they're definitely just a team where the sum of their parts is, I mean, all of them together is just greater than the individual parts. So I, I don't think like Scotty Barnes can take that step and be that guy or anything. They definitely are in need of superstar. It really reminds me of that Detroit Pistons model, the, the Billups, the Hamilton, the Prince, everybody's got a defined role and they play it really well. And you just have guys that can make big shots at the right times. The guy that can make those big shots is actually Fred Van Vliet um, more than Pascal Siakam. I, I don't think he really has that superstar quality to him, but they don't really have enough pieces as it is to go ahead and, and make a championship run. So I like him. I like the Raptors and what they've been building, but I don't think it's good enough to uh, make any sort of a real threat to the Sixers or any sort of championship run. They need to go get their Rashid Wallace. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, maybe not a guy with the temperament of Rashid Wallace, but <laughs> they, uh, they definitely need uh, someone with that talent level. There may be that, that away from being a real threat. Oh, hey, um, I just want you to know that if he accepts his player option next year, John Wall will be the second highest paid player in the NBA. That is a, wow. Uh, yeah, that contract is aging uh, poorly, very poorly. Um, it's almost, it's worse than the Russell Westbrook contract. That's for sure. Um, yeah, he's he's making... So John Wall, so Steph Curry is going to make the most at 48 million. And then John Wall and James Harden have the exact same 47, 366, 760, and just a few thousand more than Russ. And then LeBron, KD. Yeah. So how's that feel? Wizards or Rockets, mm. wherever he's at now. Whoever, yeah, whoever's he, stuck paying that. He, he's a rocket. He's stuck on the Rockets. He's they're paying him. Um, man, that's a lot of dead cap. <laughs> anyway eastern conference playoffs a series that i think looks really fun on paper two teams that i really really like uh the bucks and the bulls i'm a big billy donovan fan i like what they've done here you kind of talked about the raptors i think the bulls are a little bit more of a slightly fancier version of the raptors where you don't really have any superstars but zach levine and demar DeRozan have really come into their elements this year and zach levine finally feels like he's the player we thought he would be and demar DeRozan has returned to the player he used to be so happy to see that for those two guys. And they've done a great job building this team slow and steady. But the Bucks are the Bucks, defending champions. You've got Giannis. I like this Bulls team, but I can't keep going. I have to go five in this one. I can't say all these are going to be six-game series. So as much as I like the Bulls, the Bucks are the Bucks. I feel like they peak in the playoffs, and they know how to – they've been there. They can do it again. So give me Milwaukee in five. This is, a, this is my one and only sweep. Um, the Bucks have beat the Bulls 17 times in a row. Jeez. The last time, the last time, uh, the Bulls beat the Bucks was, uh, December 26, 2017. If this were, if this uh, were PTI or not PTI, if this was around the horn, you would have got like nine little up arrow sounds. I, yeah. I was going for my, uh, around the horn moment right here. Um, it's this is a sweep. Uh, the Bucks are a really bad matchup for the Bulls. Um, you mentioned Levine; he is actually fighting through like a knee injury currently, and he's 
he's doing a really good job of it, but he's, you can tell he's not quite all the way there. He probably is going to have to have surgery on his knee after the season. Um, the loss of Lonzo Ball hurts. They they really don't have anyone that can play toe-to-toe with Giannis on the defensive end at all. A uh, few teams do, but, man, the Bucks are just a really bad matchup for the Bulls. Worst possible matchup for the Bulls, I think. So this is going to be a sweep. If you wanted to get um, frisky from a gambling standpoint, I, I believe you can bet on the amount of games that every series is going to be. Um, I take the Suns and the Bucks in, in first round sweeps. Wow. If you want to be, if you want to be frisky, you can parlay those two together and uh, maybe make yourself some money that way. But this is my one and only sweep. Probably very justifiably warranted. Sorry, Bulls, we like you, but the Bucks are a different breed. Yeah. And last but not least, I would say the best first round matchup in the East. I really like the East. This is another topic I know we've discussed a little bit. Is the East finally better than the West this year? But the Celtics and the Nets, who I would say are two of the four best teams, along with the Heat and the Bucks, I think those are the top four in the East. Because the Nets had all their turbulent issues this year, and it's kind of a miracle they're here. Kevin Durant just had to carry them this far. And you've got full-time Kyrie, theoretically. Uh, maybe Ben Simmons appears at some point in time. Do we know? Either way, I think this is going to be seven game. I think it's going to be a dogfight. You've got the best defensive team in the East, if not the whole NBA and the Celtics. You've got Brooklyn, who they're kind of towards the top in everything, not really the tippy top offensively or defensively, but they're getting right. They won four straight at the end of the year. It's Kevin Durant. It's Kyrie. It's all the other 45-year-olds they have running around. I like both these teams, and I've been on Brooklyn all year. I can't bail on them now, so give me the Nets in a very, very tough seven-game series. Well, you mentioned the teams that are contending, the and you talked about the East maybe being better than the West. I don't think better is the right word. I think the uh, the word is more competitive. Um, I think it's certainly going to be more competitive and more compelling from a playoff standpoint out East than it is out West, and this is definitely – the best series of the first round. I think there's three teams in the East that you can tell me are contenders. And those three are uh, Milwaukee, Boston, and Brooklyn. So one of the contending teams is going home in the first round, Um, which is, this has the feel of like a, this should definitely be a second round matchup. This should not be a first round matchup. Um, that's that's kind of the feel that this one has. I think this is going full seven. Robert Williams is out. That's another thing that we haven't talked about. He's going to be out at least the first couple games. I do think he comes back at some point in this series, and that kind of turns the tide of the series. Katie's going to have to play like 45 minutes per game in this series. I don't know if you watched the Nets last night, but things were uh, really bad when that second unit was left to its devices without KD. He's going to have to play like 45 minutes a game in this series. He's more than capable of it, um, but he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to average darn near 40 to keep them in this thing. But I think he's, he's more than, again, more than capable of it. That's why this is going seven. But in the end, I think the Celtics are the more complete team. So I'm going to take the Celtics 
in the seventh game. And we don't talk about this enough, but that Boston crowd is one of those crowds that can actually change a game. And I think that's going to be one of the factors in a game seven. So give me the Celtics in seven in Boston. Um, We set up for a Celtics Bucks second round, which is going to be phenomenal as well. Yeah. While you were talking about that, looking at the Nets roster, KD and Kyrie are going to be have to be on every night of every series for them to have a chance. And I know I've said it, I, I'm riding with this team. I can't bail now, but wow, they're old. <laughs> like we, we know this, when you look at it on paper, you're like, oh, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, like Goran Dragic is there. Like Goran Dragic is their fail safe, which great guy, but give me this team in 2015. It would have been amazing. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Aldrich is, isn't even playing. I believe he's injured. So, um, and Joe Harris is injured as well. So, I mean, they're really, they're rolling with like Bruce Brown and Andre Drummond, Seth Curry. Um, I actually like Seth Curry, but he also has, he's very up and down. He's very uh, D'Angelo Russell and and how hot and cold he runs. Um but yeah, Patty Mills, who's been a little bit off. Blake Griffin, I'm not sure what's going on with him, but he hasn't played a lot lately. So you're you're really relying heavily on Bruce Brown, maybe a guy like Nick Claxton to kind of be some sort of an X factor for you in a playoff series. And uh I, I just don't think that's good enough to get it done. You mentioned Ben Simmons. There's been reports about him coming back, but it'd be his first basketball action in about two years. Um, what can he really add in that scenario? I don't, I don't know if that would even be a net, a net positive. See what I did uh, there. Uh, uh, not, uh, I, I realized as I was saying it, how corny that was going to come out. Um, I almost wish I could take that back, but I think there's just a, a few too many things going against the nets and they're going to need a little bit too much, a little bit more than what Kyrie and KD can provide, unfortunately. So Celtics and seven. So that leaves us with your final four up top. You've got Heat and Sixers. This is going to be a really good one. Um, but in the end, I think uh, Spolstra um, will make the right adjustments that it takes. And, and Bam really can, um, you know, frustrate Embiid. Um, go toe-to-toe with Embiid. So um, they've kind of got the guys to lock up on Harden as well with P.J. Tucker and Jimmy Butler. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is where it ends for the Sixers. Give me uh, give me Miami in six. Wow. The guy, the, the love for Embiid seems to be fizzling as the year goes on. A little bit. A little bit. I get that these guys aren't doing much for him. The the Heat are all about Jimmy Butler and Bam, Duncan Robinson. You've added Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker, former Buck P.J. Tucker. But I'd love to look at the guys that they're still paying. They Victor Oladipo is there. They're still paying Mario Chalmers. When did Mario Chalmers last play for them? They're paying Nick Stauskas a little bit of money. Interesting. Guys you forget are still around the league, but it's always fun to look at. Yeah. 
That that is fun. Um, I don't think Stauskas is, Stauskas is even on a roster. They're really just paying him. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of guys like that that are getting paid even though they aren't on rosters. I'd take a hundred twelve thousand dollars to not do anything. Yeah, sounds great. And going down bottom, you've got the Bucks and the Celtics. You went all chalk, one, two, three, and four, making your semis. I. I sure did. Um, I hate it when I do that because it usually never works out that way. But um, this is why we don't right, pick the NHL playoffs because those are chaos. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hockey is chaos. Um, I think uh, the Bucks are just going to show a little bit too much of their championship DNA for the Celtics here in this round. Um, I love the Celtics and what they've built. I do think they can give the Bucks some fits, so I am going to give them a, a little bit of credit, but I think the Bucks are going to take care of this one in five. Um, I just think this is when Giannis says, all right, it's time. Get on my back. I'm playing 45 minutes a game in this series, and he, he's going to put them down. So you look at the numbers that Giannis put up this year, and he did it in 32 minutes. I I kind of shudder at the thoughts of of him playing 42, 43 minutes in a game and what he can do with that kind of a, that kind of a workload. Um, It's, it's truly scary. So I think this is uh, the Bucks show again, they show their flex, their muscles and win this in five. And there's our Eastern conference championship heat bucks. I would say easily the two best teams in the East all year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would easily say that too. I think, uh, I'll give Miami a little bit more credit than I gave the Celtics or the Bulls before them. I'm going to say the Bucks will take this in six. They'll win this in Milwaukee at home in game six, and it'll feel good for the fans to, uh, celebrate going back to the finals again. So, as uh, as boring as it may be, I'm I'm calling for a Bucks Suns um, matchup in the finals again. I mean, those were the two best teams last year, and I think uh, those are going to be the two best teams again this year. So we're going to have a fun time watching the Bucks and the Suns go at one another yet again. Are you going to give us a winner? Or is that going to be a tease? For, oh no! Like, I'm gonna like just, we, we're going to have Andrew back in two weeks. On the edge of a cliff, guys. I'm uh, no okay. no winners predicted in the NBA Finals okay. here. Um, I I I believe that Phoenix is better than they were last year. Because, but I'm I'm not sure once again what they can really do against Giannis because. They tried Bridges, they tried Crowder, they tried Aiton, and none of it worked. Um, I'm not sure necessarily what Phoenix can do to kind of throw Giannis off of his game. That's really my question. I think this has the makings of a a classic. It's going to be a seven-game series, and it's going to be in Phoenix in Game 7. And I think Milwaukee is going to go back to back and they're going to take this in game seven. I think they've got that championship experience, that championship medal. Um, Drew holiday is going to be a huge factor for them against 
Devin Booker. He can kind of frustrate Booker enough. Um, he can work on Chris Paul as well. Middleton can be thrown on Booker and on Chris Paul as well. They can try Matthews a little bit as well. Connaughton seems to be fitting in. Even a guy like the Bucks have a guy like Javon Carter just sitting on their bench, and he's really known for his defense. He can come in and give a few minutes. Uh, I mean, last year, um, Jeff Teague came into the NBA Finals and, and had a great game for the Bucks, and it kind of saved them. Um, I could see something funky like a Javon Carter coming in and, and having a good game and swinging the series for the Bucks. It's going to be funky things like that that are going to really decide that series because I think the great players on both sides sort of cancel each other out. But in the end, I think the Bucks are just a little bit too much. So give me Bucks and seven. Can you name the last two teams that played in back-to-back NBA finals? Well, it would have to be uh, Warriors Cavs. Okay. See, I, I was going to bring up that question. Then I pulled up the numbers. Thought, oh, that question is not near as hard as I thought it was. I, I did not realize it was four straight times. I don't, I don't know what I thought happened, but I didn't realize we had Warriors Cavs four straight years. Yep. We had four straight years of, uh, of Warriors Cavs. And then I believe we got Warriors Raptors. Wow. Look at you knowing your stuff. No, we, we yeah. had four straight years of Warriors versus LeBron. Let's well, actually, yeah. LeBron and Kyrie. We'll give Kyrie some credit. Well, if you're going to give Kyrie credit, you got to give Kevin Love credit. But well, fair enough. We'll give Kevin Love some credit okay. as well, Can and you... maybe even my guy Kyle Korver too. We'll go on down that far. The what about the last Finals rematch prior to the LeBron versus Warriors? Would that have been Bulls Jazz? It was not. Lakers. No, not the Lakers. Spurs Pistons, possibly. Incorrect. No, he um it also involved LeBron, didn't it? Maybe. Yeah. Heat Spurs. Heat, Heat Spurs. Spurs. Heat Spurs 2013-2014. That's it. So that that Pistons team we referenced earlier, they beat the Lakers and then lost to the Spurs. And that early 2000s, it was just Lakers or Spurs every other year. Well, right. for most of like 15 years, it was Lakers, Spurs. The Mavericks snuck in there a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I was thinking of teams that went to the finals and back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. All right. What else do we need to know? Anything else going on? O- open floor, extemporaneous time. Anything else in the NBA we need to discuss or think about? Uh for the next I'm excited. <laughs> well, I don't know if you want to bring this up right now. Maybe we can do this more after the season. But uh, give me one. Uh, give me one more of your uh, Lakers uh, trade scenarios. All right. I know the player I want to have involved. Let me get back to the right screen, though. Of course, I clicked out of it. But the fan base. One of these fan bases is going to be very, very upset. Now, the hitch in this whole giddy up is that Russ has a player option, which he you would assume is going to accept a $47 million player option. But what I'm thinking is you have to trade Russ. Maybe we have a three-team deal. Damian Lillard from the Blazers to the Lakers. Okay. So Portland's going to have a bunch of money available, especially if they get rid of Damian. 
then you have Dame and LeBron. You move off from AD and Russ. Maybe AD comes to Portland. You send Russ somewhere else. Then you've still got Talon Horton Tucker. You got Kendrick Nunn. Maybe you'll get some other pieces, but that's my big one. Dame to the Lakers for AD and probably like three first round draft picks. And we'll throw in some other guy just for funsies. The only wrench in your plan is how far out our team's willing to go on these draft picks because the Lakers really don't have first round draft picks to give out for a couple of years because of uh, all the trades that they made for AD and then for uh, Westbrook. So they are really, uh, they're really hard up on, uh, on first round picks. So they don't necessarily have the assets to give their only real asset to throw out there in a trade is AD Malik Monk, Taylor Horton Tucker, Austin Reeves. Maybe I, I, I don't know. They really are, are low on assets. And um, that's Russ, one of the, uh, one of the issues. Russ for Lillard straight up. Portland's not going anywhere anytime soon. I, uh, I don't they can, think they can uh, have one year of Russ during their rebuild. Yeah. I don't think Portland can do that in good faith. Okay. Uh, they need to get more than that out of uh, Lillard. I think they're, if they're going to trade Damian Lillard at any point in time, I think they're going to want and maybe expect more than that. I mean, Russ in the first, maybe, but Russ straight up, I, I don't think they can do that in good conscience and good faith. I'll get some more of these lined up for you because we know the Lakers are going to make moves. We can talk about their coach here in a couple of weeks if they haven't hired anybody. But they're all these guys, all of LeBron's veteran friends are going to be free agents. They're going to have a lot of guys coming available. Not a lot of money because you're tied up with LeBron, Russ, and AD. But the Lakers are going to look completely different next year. Almost none of their guys are coming back. So it could be LeBron and a whole new cast of characters. So they're going to make moves. It's just a matter of – and they're going to make splash. Somebody's going to – Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, somebody big is coming to town. Yeah, I think I think you're right. They're going to definitely do their best to make a splash. I just the path forward isn't really a it isn't really there. Well, I'll concoct a few of these for you, and you can let me know in two weeks how if any of them sound better. All right, I will let you know, um, and, then, and then we'll decide which coach you want to hire to be the next Laker coach. Jawan Howard, anybody? Can you punch people in the NBA as a coach? <laughs> Maybe. We're about to find out if they hire Juwan Howard. No, I I think uh, one of the interesting names maybe that I've heard out there is Doc Rivers. I've heard that um, as well. There's I, I feel like the Lakers are going to go with an established guy who LeBron respects. But Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no way they're hiring a college coach or an emerging coach. They're going to hire some veteran coach um, who's been there, done that before, so – Doc Rivers would make a lot of sense, but uh, I don't know what that solves or how that makes anything any better. But that's going to be my question is, is there any coach who thinks they're in a better situation? Because the Lakers have the money. The Lakers, I feel like, will throw the money at whomever to get the guy they want. So would a Steve Kerr, a Steve Nash, a Budenholzer, a Quinn Snyder, Spolstra even, would you reunite Spolstra and LeBron? Any of these guys have a chance or is you know Doc Rivers is a common name to throw out there? 
Brad Stevens or has Brad Stevens got a cush job in the Celtics front office. Now he doesn't want to leave. Like those are the guys I'm thinking like Amani Williams, a Quinn Snyder, an established guy who's proven he can win or those guys just in better situations is, is the Lakers, the marquee job it once was. Mm, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. And I mean, like, like Budenholzer, for example, he's got it really good. I believe they just extended him and, and that roster is really locked in and it looks like it's going to be a championship contending roster. So like for Budenholzer specifically, I don't, I don't see why he would ever leave the Milwaukee situation for the instability of the Lakers situation. Doc Rivers is interesting because if this Harden and Bede thing doesn't work out this year, what does next year look like? Is this really a contending team? There's a whole lot more questions in Philly that would make me say, maybe I will hitch my wagon to LeBron instead of to Embiid. Um, Which again, I don't know if that's the right move necessarily, but I think you're right in, in questioning if the Lakers job really is that destination job that it once was. And I, I vote no, because it's really more these days about what kind of a roster can you build? Can you give a coach and the, the Lakers just don't have a lot of avenues for building a better roster than what they've got now. Throw your hat in the ring. I mean, the Lakers can't do any worse. Mm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I could. I certainly could. I don't know how LeBron and I would get along, but I like him. But uh, I don't know if he would respect me enough in my coaching career enough to uh, to listen to me. So why, why doesn't he just be a player coach like it's baseball in the 1920s? I mean, in some regards, it feels like he he kind of is. Um, feels like he's the uh, player, the coach, the GM, all of it, all at once. Um, and the other element of this is the whole, does he want to go where uh, Bronny Jr. plays in the NBA whenever he makes it? Is he keeping that in the back of his mind as well? Um, I don't know. It's it's just a very interesting scenario. Well, we will bring you our takes on it here in the weeks to come. A very exciting NBA offseason, NBA postseason all coming here for the next couple of months. We'll have plenty of opportunities to get Andrew on in the very, very long drawn out NBA postseason. Thank you all for joining us. We're going to come back next week with one of my favorite, if not my all-time favorite episode. It is the NBA, NBA, cheapers. Is the NFL mock draft episode special. Uh, in two weeks, Andrew, do you want to recap the NFL draft a little bit? Absolutely. Sprinkle in some NFL draft, NBA updates. Uh, any, anything you want to say NFL draft related before we get out of here? Um, teams are going to reach on quarterbacks and, uh, it's going to make me shake my head. Um, I also think we're going to see some, uh, some good trades going on this, this year as well with the teams that have the draft picks should make smart moves in the draft. Um, Hoping Green Bay finally drafts a wide receiver in the first round this year as a Packers fan. We got two picks in the first round. I think we can afford to spend one on a, on a wide receiver possibly, but if not, uh, I trust Goody and Goody we trust and really looking forward to the, the NFL draft. It's just, this is not the year for the quarterback needy teams. Well, we will give you our takes next week. We're going to do our three person rotational, first round picks and who we think all the teams should take and will take and 
Yeah, I agree. Very exciting draft. We've already seen a lot of trades and a lot of teams moving, and I think it's going to be a pandemonium-filled night, and I am ready for it next Thursday. Thank you all for joining us on this week's episode of the Sports Gospel with you every Thursday night, sportsgospel.com, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Thank you. We'll see you next time.